Welcome to Participate. I am Mike Washburn. And I'm Dr. Julie King. Did you know that the podcast is now a live show? We'll talk about streaming the pod and the challenges that come with building interesting media for communities. Our guest this episode is Mia Pumo from Constructive Learning Design. So let's get started. So we just talked to Mia Pumo and we actually live streamed it, um, which was uh, a whole new experience doing um, podcasting and streaming both at the same time. Um, (laughs) It was not the easiest thing in the world to do and to do it well. Yeah, you did a great job. But I, I think that the reason why we're doing it is that we truly believe as a company that people should be able to learn whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want. And that means providing them multiple ways to access the same content. And so now, you know, if you are listening to the podcast and want to watch it, you can go to our YouTube channel. Uh, you can watch the live stream, twitch.tv slash inside participate. Um, and, and you can watch it live or you can watch it later. If you watched it live with us and you want to just listen to it in your car to catch up on something, now you can listen to it as well. And it means that you can do this whenever you want. And so it truly is democratizing the learning experience. It's bringing it to everybody, however they want to use it. And it's funny because we just talked to Mia about synchronous versus asynchronous learning and even doing those at the same time. And, and, you know, and so now we're talking about the podcast and the stream and doing those at the same time and how uh, I feel like those are fairly similar, right? I know. I mean, I think it's it's great to, that we are sort of walking the walk. Mia, it was great to be flexible with us as we were sort of figuring out, okay, what do we start saying here? What do we, what seems to, because we have to think about the technology and I think you're really good at that. It's like, what's the specific affordance of the stream? What's the specific affordance of a podcast? Um, So, you know, it is this sort of multiple uh, formats and you said it earlier today um, in a conversation around modalities, what's the sort of modality that's like better for you at that, on that given day, right? You're driving to do some errands and you want to catch something that Mia said, exactly. you're going to do that. And, um, I think that's what we're, you know, we're trying to do. So we are again, really trying to walk the walk. If we say that we want people to learn however, wherever they want, uh, we want to really make that possible and be right there alongside our partners. Right. It's like, we can't, you know, it's not do as I say, not as I do. Right. So we got to jump in yeah. there with them, right? Experiment yeah. with new ways. So you're the chief learning officer for Participate, uh, Dr. Yeah, yeah. Julie Keen, yeah. the Dr. <laughs> Julie Keen. And I, I was thinking about it this morning from like an academic standpoint, you know, how important it must be to offer um, for communities, and this is a community, us, um, you know, sharing and learning together. Um, you know, why would we do this? Why would we put ourselves through, <laughs> you know, staring at four screens and having multiple connections going all at once? What value is there in terms of the outcome of learning from an academic standpoint of us even offering this kind of flexible learning scenario. Yeah, I mean, I think we said it before. I really do think it's that sort of diverse modality that depending on, you know, I don't, I, I think 
colleagues and I don't, don't always believe on the, the multiple, you know, some people are this kind of learner. Everybody's every type of learner right. in any given day of the week, right? And so, yes. again, like I could be at my computer and really like watching YouTube or watching it live is something I want to do on a Tuesday. But and on Wednesday morning, again, I'm running errands and I need to catch something. And I do think for adult learners, which we're focused on the most right now, is really giving this in chunks and bites that is super usable and super applicable to practice and again making that accessible and I think especially now with the sort of virtual we're just trying to keep up with our incredible desire for connection given that we can't see each other face to face so I think really trying to solve that problem with using everything at our disposal in order to kind of build community sustain community and make sure that we're also kind of creating deeper connections with the people that we work with so you know i have never really spent a lot of time with mia so having this opportunity to give her different formats to talk about the work that she does makes her think differently about the work that she does it makes me think differently you know so i think even us learning from mia um you were saying it right you had a conversation with glenn so you're making all these connections within this conversation so it gives us a lot more opportunity to learn as we go, which will just make us sort of better at what we do. And I think that's what we're hoping for our learners when they engage with our content, that it's going to sort of make them think differently after they engage with it. That's really exciting. And so we have a really great interview, and we hope you stay with us when we come back our conversation with Mia Pumo from Constructive Learning Design. In-person trainings and events can be reimagined into virtual experiences. Through switching to a virtual learning setting, Constructive Learning Design has been able to grow their reach, their business, and their impact. They've learned that moving things online doesn't have to be daunting. Joining us to chat about that today is Mia Pumo from Constructive Learning Design. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about this. It's been a very interesting few months. We've been really inspired, Mia, to see how you've adapted your business from supporting one-time in-person workshops to really leveraging your community to support your customers. So can you talk um, about some of the approaches you've tried and how those came to be. Yes, absolutely. I guess I'll start with something we tried last fall. So before we were actually required to go virtual, but we had our first conference and retreat for instructional coaches, um, which is the bulk of our community. And uh, the conference is called Coach Fest. And we wanted to, you know, have, of course, a great in-person event, but we also wanted a platform as, you know, kind of an informational hub and a way to keep people connected. So I would say that's probably um, one of the first things we did, the first approach we took in terms of using the platform with our community. It was a great space for um, having everything in one place where the participants could see the schedule and learn about the presenters and... Um, stay connected through discussion boards and and even stay connected after the conference. So that was one successful approach. And then, you know, who knew that less than four months later, we would have to uh, transition all of our trainings to some type of uh, remote learning. So that's um, 
when we really started to take a deeper dive into this world and change what were typically were our, you know, face-to-face workshops and coaching sessions and find a way to not only do them remotely, but make them meaningful and um, continue to, to stick to our foundations of powerful learning um, and, and be able to do that well, even in a virtual setting. Can you tell us a little bit about the mission for constructive learning design, sort of your vision of coaching? Because I think I'm really interested in, again, those learning experiences. So once, you know, first it was just the conference and really building community through that, but now you're sort of reimagining even your, your learning approach. And so can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so Constructive learning design, we really now have two divisions. So one focused on coaching and one focused on project-based learning and connecting students with communities. So um, the community that I'm facilitating is the constructive coaching community. But I would say that both divisions, both communities, really have this foundation of powerful learning experiences, whether that's for students, whether that's for adults, educators, really those components are the same for people who want to experience learning in a positive way and enjoy the process of learning. So things like having clear learning targets, um, choice and voice when it comes to what you're learning or how you're learning it, um, Meaningful feedback is really important for powerful learning and collaboration. So I would say those are some of the foundations. Um, and, and what we strive to do at Constructive Learning Design is to take those components and apply them to our work with students, with teachers, with instructional coaches and administrators, instructional leaders. So whatever we're teaching, whatever we are facilitating, we want that to be a powerful learning experience for our community. One thing that has struck us as we're watching you kind of design your community is the use of the courses uh, feature and, and sort of thinking about um, what are the sort of structured learning experiences for your community members. And I know a lot of folks think, you know, sometimes a course would have to be like this, synchronous, right, where you're just teaching in real time, um, or kind of an asynchronous course. But you seem to really blend the two. Can you talk a little bit about your decisions for that, how you've been thinking about that and designing for that? Mm -hmm. And again, we kind of went back to our roots of what is powerful learning and and what makes that um, successful. And that's kind of how we landed on this blended um, asynchronous and synchronous structure, because we really found that having choice and having some asynchronous activities that people can do at their own pace on their own time is really important. And especially now, right? But bringing people together in a group and having time to share ideas and share things that you learned in the asynchronous work that you've applied um, and to learn from one another in that collaborative setting is still very important. And you can still do that successfully um, on, you know, different virtual platforms. So that's really how we decided to combine the two. Um, and the feedback that we've gotten has really validated the fact that people enjoy that experience. They enjoy the freedom of having some choice in when they can do some of the work, when they can do some of the reading and apply what they're learning. But coming together and hearing from other people who are maybe applying what they're learning in different settings, it really just adds so much value to the learning itself and to everyone in the community. So there's a lot of talk, and, and actually I'm thinking to my, my very good friend, uh, Glenn Irvin, who is an instructional coach in Minnesota. He's definitely thinking a lot about how people do 
asynchronous and synchronous instructing at the same time and how because you have a lot of models especially in, like minnesota is a good example um where they have students in classes and at home and the classes haven't been split up it's the same class and the teacher now has to teach both simultaneously and i'm just wondering what advice you might have any thoughts you might have on how to do the same how how people might be doing both in, in synchronous and and blending the two synchronous and asynchronous learning and, and making those function together in kind of a cohesive way that is definitely a challenge and something that my team and I have thought a lot about, you know, over the summer when we realized um, how the fall was going to look and how it was going to be so different for so many different districts, we really wanted to be able to continue to support schools and districts in whatever their scenario was for reopening. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we actually created these um, blended and remote learning courses, and we've had a lot of teachers going through these courses and implementing these strategies in real time. But also we've had coaches and administrators doing the courses with them so that everybody can kind of get this foundational understanding of um, blended and remote learning and how to do that successfully and then how can we support our teachers. So I guess the best advice um, I would give for someone in that situation would be uh, planning ahead and collaborating with your colleagues first of all. So thinking through with uh, others who are going to be doing the same thing um, because, you know, lots of ideas can come from, from a group of people. Thinking mm -hmm. through, like, what are the learning experiences? What is really the goal of this particular lesson? What is it I would have students normally doing in my classroom because, like you said, that may still be the case. And then how can I take that experience for those children who are at home and do something meaningful for them as well? And how can I keep them engaged? So, you know, that's when like the chat feature comes in or any way that you can. Um, fine to have the students who are at home still engaged in the discussion, in the learning somehow, or, you know, doing something, if it's with their hands or, or whatever it may be, then keeping them all engaged together, it is possible, but yeah, it's not easy. So a lot of companies, a lot of nonprofits, uh, a lot of groups have started to use communities of practice um, to you know, as a major part of what they do to spread awareness about what they're doing and how they're doing it and growing their own communities and developing uh, a broader reach. And I'm curious about how you've used or tried to use your community um, to help expand your own reach and what you guys do. Yeah, I think the main thing is, um, first of all, having a community and having a place where people who are doing similar things and are interested in learning similar things together is really important. So mm -hmm. if you have that and you have created that space where you're providing resources and tools and um, an opportunity for networking. What's really powerful, I think, obviously, about the community is the ability to communicate with others who are in your same field but may not be in your area. So, um, you know, we're 
based in North Carolina, and we've done a lot of work with North Carolina school districts, um, but we're able to even go outside of those state lines and have instructional coaches and educators from all over the country or all over the world who can participate. And that really helps us to expand. And when people are involved in the community and they're getting value from it, they're going to talk about it. And they're going to tell others, Mm -hmm. hey, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, you're in coaching um, or you have new coaches that are coming into your school or your district and you want them to have the same resources and the same support. And so they'll tell other people who will want to be involved in the community and, you know, having the the Coach Fest conference, um, which is kind of unique for this area, having a conference and retreat combined for one thing. Um, I don't know of other people doing that, but then also having one just focused on instructional coaches and people who support teachers. Um, it's another great way to get the word out about something like that that's kind of new and, and interesting and, and um, hasn't been around very long. So being able to spread the word so that we can invite more people in. And so with a combination of face-to-face events, which I hope we get back to soon, um, and and the learning community, I think it's just, it's been wonderful to expand and let people know what we're doing and to bring more people in who can feel supported. I love the idea of, of taking like a, a large event. I'm actually talking with um, a nonprofit who is about to do like a, a giant event. And they said, it'd be nice if we had a place um, that we could bring people to after to continue the conversation. And I'm like, hey, let me let me. T-. It's like they walked into my you walked into my trap <laughs> yes, is what you did. Exactly. It's like, let me tell you about this little company called Participate. It's so great that communities can be built and then have a home for these large events and this is this is exactly what you're doing is that you're you're holding this like you know live streamed or whatever a retreat you even called it um and then say hey you know the conversation doesn't end here um this is just kind of the start of the conversation not just the place where it ends right yeah Well, I was just going to say that's the beauty of it is because one of the reasons people go to events like that is to network, is to meet other people that they can learn from and that they can share ideas with. And to be able to maintain those connections after the event is sometimes the challenge. So this is a a perfect platform and and a place where people can stay connected. I'm hoping that maybe one of the positive things that come out of this after we sometimes get that face-to-face is like really zeroing in on the affordance of that face-to-face, but then use these new technologies that we've been relying so heavily on to stay connected during this period to kind of, you know, expand those learning experiences and community building. Um, and that just becomes kind of a constant feature of even conferences going forward, right? That you, you know, have this blended approach. So I'd love to talk more even a little bit about the coaching piece and sort of the specific needs of coaches. Cause in our last podcast episode, we had talked with our partners at Participate Learning about how they are supporting teachers. And your community focused on supporting instructional coaches and administrators, district leaders, and they also need a lot of support. And sometimes that can get overlooked, you know, everybody understandably focusing on the classroom needs. Um, Obviously, those are paramount. But how has your community, do you think, led to impact on practice and professional growth for this specific community? Yes. um, One thing that we're really excited that we now have completely online um, through Participate is the um, instructional coach development training. So we have coaching foundations, which is 
a coach development um, course for people who are interested or new to instructional coaching. It's a really great foundational course. And um, as we mentioned before, it is a combination of synchronous and asynchronous. So we've blended those together. And I think for, for coaches, whether you're new to the field or not, I mean, there are specific skill sets that coaches need. A lot of times great teachers are promoted to a coaching position in education, and that makes sense. But there are some nuances, you know, between teaching skills and coaching skills that need to be addressed. And there are definitely some mindsets and skills and coaching tools that we can offer specifically for instructional coaching um, that can help develop these coaches. And if you are an experienced coach, um, just like in teaching and just like any student, there's always more to learn. So um, if you want to just continue to develop your coaching skills, uh, this is a, a great place to come. Um, we're in the process of putting our entire coaching certification in a virtual format, in a blended format, so that we can reach out again, like I said, and, and touch coaches everywhere um, and not always have to be face-to-face -face and have that face-to-face -face component. So just developing our coaches, giving them that supportive community. And for leaders, I would say instructional leaders, principals, assistant principals, district leaders, um, the leadership component, there's two parts that I think are really important. So one is developing your own coaching skills because research has proven now that leaders are more effective and better at their jobs when they have coaching skills. Um, and then the other part is having that big picture of thinking about, well, how do I set up the structures and the environment where coaching can be successful? That's leadership thinking, creating the right environment where coaching can flourish and so that the coaches and the teachers in your building feel supported and feel like they're able to grow. So I would say those two things for leaders is really important and a place to share ideas with others. So a lot of thought happening right now on Participate in a lot of different communities about where we go from here. And a lot of communities are thinking about the future and about how they're going to grow and adapt and, and what the new normal even might be. So I'm curious if you've been thinking about that as well and what you envision the future of your community might be. Yes, we think about that all the time. And um, I think what I'm about to say applies to what we're doing and also applies to classroom teachers. So for our community of instructional coaches, um, of course, we want to grow. We want more coaches to be involved in our community because they can learn from one another. And we want to expand that um, around the country. And we want to be able to offer this training in the format that's going to work best for a school or district. So some people still may prefer the face-to-face -face format. Um, some people may need to do it completely online at their own pace. And some people may want to blend those together and be able to do some of the work asynchronously and then bring us in and bring everybody together face-to-face -face when we can do that again. So we want to have all of those things available um, so that we can offer what each school or district needs no matter where they're located. And the thing we've been thinking about for classroom teachers is we really want um, teachers to take what they're learning now about blended learning and be able to apply it in their classroom. So even when things go back to, I'm going to say normal, who knows what that may be or look like. Um, but if we're back in buildings full time and everybody's able to be there and to be safe, um, not just 
throwing away everything that we've learned. I think there are a lot of valuable lessons that um, are coming out of this and a way to make learning personal for our students and to help meet their needs and where they are in terms of giving them choice and, and just taking these tech tools and blending them into our classroom to make our lessons more engaging and then also keeping our students connected outside of the classroom. Mm. You know, classrooms uh, are a, a learning community as well. So being able to keep our students connected um, and feel like they're still a part of that learning community if they're not sitting in that seat in those four walls. Um, I think these are lessons that can apply to us as adults and to our kids. Man, oh man, I'm thinking about that. It's funny because there's so many conversations that I've been having with people that are talking exactly about what you're saying about how the classroom is a community and then there's these kids online and they're a community um, and these communities need to feel also like they are a learning community together. And uh, man, it's never been more complicated to teach than it is right now. Boy, oh boy. We've had these conversations too. Is It's really throwing everyone really firmly into that right. designer. That's right. Designer mode is like there's so much to think about with learning design. And I think that's always been kind of a critical part of a teacher's role. But I think now it's just so much more transparent mm-hmm. how much they have to design, whether they have they're teaching all virtually, whether they're sort of doing both of remote and in person. I mean, that seems like the biggest challenge, but, mm-hmm. and, and you've spoken to this, I think it seems very clear how your experience um, and Jay's experience of just of supporting your community during this time is changing the way you're thinking, but are there specific things that you already have in mind if you're able to have your um, face-to-face conference of ways that you might um, redesign that based on your experiences this year? We're just getting into the details, I would say, of that planning and also um, kind of holding our breath to see if it will be face-to-face or if it will be virtual. So we do have a team working on that. Um, I would say um, the first thing that comes to mind would be if we are able to get together, then we want to make the conference even more engaging than it was the first time. So this will be our second annual. Yeah. (laughs) But um, I know now being more familiar with the platform and developing the courses that we've developed over the past few months, um, we now know that there are more opportunities for keeping people engaged while they're at the event. It's funny you talk about design because design challenges is one of the things that we do with our community members um, to keep them learning and to keep them excited about what they're doing. So I think probably weaving in a design challenge that could be um, part of the conference um, and and even continue on after the conference would be one idea. That's a great idea. So Mia, how can people learn more about constructive learning design? How can people learn more about what you guys do? Where can they go to connect with you? So the first place I'll mention is our website, um, constructivelearningdesign.org. So lots of information there. Our contact information is there. Um, Also, uh, join our communities. So go to participate.com and uh, there's constructive coaching community and there's um, the rooted community. So rooted in project-based learning and connecting students with their communities. Those are our two active learning communities um, in our constructive learning design community on Participate. So those would be the best places to start. Amazing. Mia Pumo, 
Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Oh, thank you guys. Yeah, thanks so much for chatting with us today. Yeah. And being our first guest. Yes, I'm, I'm honored to be the first one as you try this new technology. And, and one thing I think we've all had to adopt in this is the growth mindset. I do a lot of mindset work and, you know, we're always talking to our students about having a growth mindset and now we've had to actually, you know, walk the walk. And so this is, this is just another great example. So thank you guys very much. And thanks to everybody who was watching on the stream. We had um, quite a few people uh, tune into the actual live stream. Uh, you can also go to our participate YouTube channel, which is actually, I think, if you just type participate Inc. So youtube.com slash participate Inc. I think you can just do that now and it takes you right there, which is awesome. Uh, we finally were able to like get enough subscribers where we can just have our own URL. It's like magic. <laughs> Yay. Yay. <laughs> so go there and this video will be there. So thanks everybody for watching online. Thanks for watching and, and listening to the stream and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to Participate. My name is Dr. Julie Kane. My co-host is the great Mike Washburn. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at participate.com. You can tweet us at, at participate. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter, and I can be found there at Julie Kane. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or in Google Podcasts. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. Thanks as always for listening. Until next time.